You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And joining me for this episode, a little surprise guest that we had uh, worked out pretty quick. Everybody knows Bill Sykes. You can find him at Twitter at RealBSykes. And Bill, we just cut straight to the chase here. What a fun debut for Dan Mullen, the players, and the fans. There was no way I was missing this show after that game last (laughs) night. (laughs) Finally, finally, we get something to be happy about. Man, that was awesome. It was. It, it, it couldn't have been any better. It couldn't. It couldn't. Uh, you know, the fans were ready. Uh, oh, there we go. There's some thunder in the background. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, hopefully the podcast keeps going through this. But uh, hey, plenty of thunder and lightning uh, for the Gators last night too, uh, as uh, they defeated Charleston Southern, fifty-three to six. But it, it was a lot of fun, Bill. Uh, and you know, the fans were ready. The fans were hyped. Uh, you could tell it was a night game atmosphere. Swamp wasn't quite full. Uh, but you could just tell. I I, th- I went back and looked at it today, and there was a lot of shots of Dan Mullen coming out of the tunnel, and he was just he was soaking it all in. Uh, he got a game ball from Scott Strickland after the game. Uh, you could tell it, he got a little emotional. You know, I don't think he uh, got. I don't think he saw any tears or anything, but it it, it got a little moist there. Uh, I'm sure for Dan Mullen, but you could just tell generally. You know, b- besides the game itself, we'll get into that plenty. Uh, but but Dan Mullen made an appearance. I think it meant a lot to him, and it really showed on the field. Yeah, I think if he shed tears, it was probably when he signed his uh, six million year contract. <laughs> <laughs> At least I would have. But no, I, man, he handled it great. The guy showed uh, some genuine swagger. He, he really showed that he knows what's up. The guy knows what fans want to see. He knows what makes Gator football special, and he did everything he could to send the message to the fans that he's there to bring it back. Yeah, shout out to the tailgates out there, uh, Gator Nation Kingdom, Buddy Martins out there throwing tailgate, and to uh, the Harmonic Woods tailgate, uh, fun times, fun times. And Bill, you're on the Kentucky game next week, so you'll be hitting those two as well with me next week. Yeah, I was just thinking that, man, when you are talking about you know the swamp maybe wasn't so full or wasn't at its best, but I can guarantee you it's going to be different next week. Uh, SEC football kicks off in Kentucky, and uh, hey, those fans have been sent a message, and I think they're going to respond. Hey, I will say for the fans that were there, Bill, it 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 was an atmosphere. Like I said, there were plenty of fireworks on and off the field uh, there. So uh, the fans that were there, I think, were treated 
uh, to some really good football by the Gators. Finally, uh, you know, it didn't matter given the opponent, uh, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun. And we'll get in all to it. And but before we do, remember you can find all your Gators Breakdown episodes on news4jacks.com/slash Gators Breakdown. Find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News for Jack sports team. That's news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Also, you can listen on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube if you want the video version. And when you when using those services, please share, rate, and review the show. Let Gator Nation know what they're getting with Gators Breakdown. And on social media, follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. So, yeah, Gainesville, fun from, from morning until final whistle. Uh, the team came out to an excited crowd, performed like they were supposed to, Bill, in 53-6 win over an overmatched Charleston Southern. But, you know, it was a total team effort from offense, defense, special teams. Look, we know the opponent, Charleston Southern, wasn't great, but that doesn't matter at this point as we saw a team uh, that was there to compete and looked good doing it no matter the opponent. You know, too many times in years past where it didn't matter the opponent, the Gators, especially on offense, where there was just too much struggle and, and nothing looked easy, but not on Saturday night. There was tempo. There was an offense with a plan, a quarterback that was getting better as the game went on, an offensive line that blocked for Franks, wide receivers and tight ends blocking down the field and making big catches, uh, an aggressive defense chasing down plays with young players standing tall, special teams already making their presence felt in, in, in game one with block kicks and, and not missing a beat, a kicking game with the new specialists making their appearances. And something we all wanted to see, get a blowout, get deep into the depth chart as you know every 2018 signee that was healthy got to play in the game last night. Valuable reps there. Pretty much everything we wanted to see, we got in this game. Yeah, we absolutely did, just all, in all phases. And, uh, you know, listen, it, it looked like a program that had been given a bath and washed off eight or nine <laughs> years of just horrors. You know, sure, it's Charleston Southern. I Everybody knows I'm not a homer. I'm going to call it like I see it. But you only you can only take these things one week at a time. And, and this week, it's an A+. Plus. And that's all Dan Mullen could have delivered this week. That's all Felipe Franks could have delivered this week. And this entire team, uh, my hat's off to them. I, I thought they did a great job. It gets real with Kentucky this week. It's not a team to be taken lightly. It's an SEC opponent. It's going to get more real the week after that with Tennessee. And they get bigger by degrees. Uh, but I think Gator fans, I know myself personally, I think we are completely justified in saying, you know what, whatever happens from here forward, game one with a new coach, hope springs eternal, and we now feel a little more justified for that hope. Yeah, Bill, going into uh, the last episode I did before the game last week, it was, hey, look, this was game one in a stretch of three games where Felipe Franks can get his confidence up, uh, and that's exactly what happened. You, you, you have Charleston Southern, you have Kentucky, you have Colorado State, to all get ready before you go to Tennessee, and I think if he can get, if Felipe Franks can get better game by game, got by game going into that first road game, then I think Florida fans can, you know, start feeling a little more confident in this team. But of course, I think we have to start with Felipe Franks and his performance. Calm, cool, collected, had a bit of a slow start, but that wasn't all on him. Franks finished 16 or 24 for 219 yards and five touchdowns all in the first half. And I mentioned the slow start. And at one time, Franks was three of nine, 88 yards in the touchdown. There were some drops there, deflected passes. But after that, Franks went on the tear, 13-15, 131 yards, four more touchdowns, uh, and completing his last eight attempts. Franks knew what to do, uh, and that was the best part. Knew where to go with the ball, making great decisions, coming off of his first read at times, placing the right touch on passes. There was a great touch pass on, on the touchdown to Hammond where he placed a rainbow corner throw. Uh, that, hey, that's a throw that's giving him problems. And um, 
in the past, and that throw was right on target. There were a couple of laser throws to Van Jefferson for touchdowns. Uh, we saw what we needed to from Felipe Franks as far as the situation goes. Uh, overmatched opponent, this is what you're supposed to do. He went out and did it. He had great help from the offensive line and pass blocking uh, that was you know, giving help uh, to Franks, giving him time to go through his reads when needed. Uh, there, there was some trust there, and you know, Will Will Miles was big on the trust issue, and uh, that was there. You know, you could tell Felipe Franks once he got into the groove of the game, there was some trust there between him and the offense line. Uh, there was, you know, snapping the ball with anywhere from 25 seconds to 15 seconds left on the play clock. Tempo was big. Look, there was some trust from this staff to the quarterbacks to the offensive linemen, and it started with Felipe Franks. It did. The guy completed five touchdowns to four different receivers. Uh, I think he completed passes to eight different receivers overall. He was fitting the ball in tight windows. You saw him. I mean, screen passes are great to the perimeter. And, and at this point, we all knew that he could hit a deep ball or two, and those things are great. But to see him, his head swiveling back and forth and then find an open receiver tied in over the middle of the field and complete a pass that we just haven't seen much in the last decade of Florida football. <laughs> I mean, just see, seeing moving the chains in the passing game, I don't care that it's Charleston Southern. I, there's been so many times uh, this team has struggled against opponents like this. I think it was a third and one versus Jacksonville State under the Muschamp era where they got stonewalled and had to punt. And then you got the Georgia Southern debacle. This was, again, and I'm only going to say this one time. Yes, it's week one. It's test one. Uh, but I was just so happy to see that for Franks. I was happy for Franks. Um, I think we we see now that there is a clear separation between one and two and, and then yeah. three on the quarterback depth chart. Uh, I think all three of those guys still have some potential to help out at Florida. Uh, but for now, I think Franks is the man and justifiably so. And now we know why. Yeah, I mean, we and, and we, you know, we saw Frank or Trask come in and had a nice run for a touchdown with some uh, blockers leading the way for him. Uh, but, you know, it did get ugly as far as the offense goes. When, when those two guys came in, there were some bad snaps by the center. Uh, the offense just couldn't seem to get in the same sink. You know, they ran the ball a little bit better in the second half. Uh, but, you know, we uh, yeah, I think we may have seen why Felipe Franks was named the starter. Uh, and it makes you wonder how close it was in camp. I don't think Mullen was sandbagging too much. I think it was was close. Uh, but you could see Felipe Franks, this time when the lights came on, he showed up. Yeah, and not only in the passing game. I think he also showed that he yeah. can execute Dan Mullen's offense with his legs. Uh, he's not Michael Vick, but the guy can be <laughs> effective in the zone reads and read options. And uh, and they ran a little each of those, and I think we're going to continue to see that. And if he can sting offenses five to seven, eight times a game, this offense might be right where Mullen needs it to be, contingent on the offensive line. And holy moly, Bill, what was that on the very first play? RPO. An RPO. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it really, if you just sit back and think about the functionality of the offense, it just makes you wonder how it was ever so bad. Now, again, we got to see what we get against Kentucky, but yeah. uh, it just seemed just systematically better. It just was cleaner and quicker. I think the reads were simplified. It, you know, and we talked a lot about last year about how Franks was unable to to go through progressions and find open guys. But a lot of that falls on the quarterback to make sure that his quarterback can do that. And I, I read some things behind the scenes where there was some criticism uh, of McElwain's progressions in his system about how they were difficult. It was kind of uh, unbalanced where you were, you know, waiting for a short man to open up here after you were waiting for a long man to open up here and that the route trees were all wrong. It, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not a, a college football coach. And so I couldn't tell you that definitively, uh, but what we saw last night kind of lends credence to the idea that, hey, maybe a simplified uh, system, maybe uh, just something to let him rock and fire or run is the ticket. And because that's what we saw last night, it sure worked. 
Yeah, Bill brought up the offensive line as well. And it was a mixed bag from that group, uh, kind of different than what we expected going into this game. Uh, it was kind of, kind of nitpicking uh, given the outcome here. But, you know, the run blocking wasn't there early on. Jordan Scarlett was never really ever to get going. Uh, Malik Davis had a slow start but rebounded nicely in, in, in another drive he came in on. P. Ryan came in and had some nice runs. And, and definitely true freshman Damian Pierce burst onto the scene with his play and averaging 9.4 yards a carry on a team leading eight rushing attempts. But, you know, Scarlett only coming out averaging four yards a carry and the offensive line not creating many running lanes uh, was about the only real disappointment of the night. Yeah, I think Damian Pierce is also leading the nation in uh, broken bones uh, <laughs> <laughs> administered per tackle. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure he broke every bone in that kicker turner's body. <laughs> that guy is a sledgehammer, man. He is going to be a player at Florida. Hey, and something about that tackle, Bill, they said, I was listening to a lot of the postgame stuff, um, that's what led to him getting more carries. You know, and Dan Mullen has preached, and we'll get into it, what special teams matter uh, to him as a head coach. But you had one player go out there and make a play on special teams. They wanted to reward him with more carries on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, you got a chance to knock out a defender every time he touches the ball. (laughs) (laughs) No, the guy's explosive. He looked nimble on his feet, good balance. for a power back, I thought the change of direction was good. Uh, Florida's looking pretty good at running back right now, and I think he's a guy that's going to continue to command more carries. Um, I think that some of these guys, I mean, I liked what we saw from P. Ryan, and I think Scarlett obviously is still the number one guy, but with Davis still looking maybe not all the way back yet, I think that, you know, Pierce has got to kind of take up the slack there. Yeah, you know, they gave carries to a lot of these backs, so, you know, maybe uh, in a game like that, it was kind of what I expected, but um, I know. It uh, is what it is. You know, I, I, going into this game, and you know, the running game got it going eventually. Don't get me wrong; it's not like you know it, it was ugly or anything like that. Uh, I, I expected more run heavy, but uh, as much as they let Frank throw early, it was kind of a surprise. Yeah, uh, the offensive line's got something to prove there. You're right about that. I mean, they yeah. they didn't exactly blow uh, Charleston Southern off the ball, and and as we get into more athletic defensive fronts here in the next next few weeks, they're going to have to prove that they can get it done. I'm really hoping we see Heggie back out there. I don't think he played last night at all, did he? Uh, I do not believe he did. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't see complete uh, chaos out there on the offensive line. I did see one time when I think uh, the center and guard kind of got blown in the backfield and allowed some penetration uh, that kind of blew up a play. Um, but all things considered, I mean, we'll take it. I'm just hoping for the best as we go forward. Yep. You know, they, all they say game improvement, game one to game two. So we'll see. Uh, where Hevesy and Mullen can point out to that offensive line and and get those guys going when uh, Gators face Kentucky coming up this week. <clears throat> Bill, you mentioned eight players caught passes from Felipe Franks. Ten players caught passes all night long. Uh, you know, and, and it was how they caught those passes as well. You know, Van Jefferson with two really good catches in the end zone on lasers by Franks. Grimes getting sprung on the first drive of the game on a screen with great downfield blocking by R.J. Raymond and Freddie Swain. A tight ends, Kamori Gamble also got involved in creative ways. Uh, Gamble and um, uh, Kroll there, Lucas Kroll, you know, Gamble with the shovel pass that we all came to love under Mullen as an offensive coordinator. And then nice play design where Tyree Cleveland drove coverage off of Kroll for a wide open catch. It was great to see many guys getting involved in, and involved early. It, it was. And, you know, you mentioned Swain. I believe he was the one that was returning those punts and looking good all night long. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy just looked like a clutch player, maybe not explosive uh but he's a guy that in recent years might have been the best offensive weapon on on florida's team and you know right now he's fourth or fifth best and that's not a knock on him it's just it's gotten a lot better there uh i'm just really hoping that frank's as pressure mounts because it's going to mount uh 
teams are going to bring heat there. I'm hoping he can continue this play, pace of play because I think those wide receivers will have a chance to shine. Yeah, I mean, like I say, just the 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 uh, different ways of uh, of catching passes here. You know, Frank's nice touch, lasers at uh, at times. Van Jefferson seemed to catch almost everything going his way. If he didn't have a defender draped all over him, and even one where a defender was draped all over him. Uh, and Bill, I mentioned it too. It was nice, and I think I think you tweeted something about it last night, where the shovel pass made its return. <laughs> it did. It did. It was one of a few things. It was a uh, a tip of the hat to the the Tebow Meyer Mullen era, you know the Percy Harvin days and Aaron Hernandez, and it, you know I loved it. I, I won't mind that being a, a part of their the repertoire as long as it's something that's going to be effective moving forward. But it, it was definitely part of the message that Mullen wanted to send. Absolutely, absolutely. It was, um, yeah, just a fun time on offense. Uh, really had, uh, really needed uh, as well to get some confidence going up. No matter the opponent, it'll get tougher. We know that. But for one night, let's go have some fun, and that's what happened. And also on the other side of the ball, hey, the defense did it uh, as well. And, and with a performance by the starting uh, defense, missing CC Jefferson and, and David Reese uh, here, you know, gave up one big. Run right before halftime after some confusion before the snap, uh, but a really good effort and and great results. You know, last week in our preview, I picked Chauncey Gardner Johnson as my Mister Intangible, and he made his presence felt from the the nickel star position on the very first play of the game from the defense as he comes in on the blitz and gets the sack. He was everywhere last night, um, and I expect big things from him uh, in, in this defense. And uh, after seeing it again last night, they're gonna they're gonna put him everywhere. And he, he was tied with Rashad Jackson uh, with a team leading five tackles. Uh, and it gets a triple option attack. The linebackers look disciplined, and, and the defensive line with some controlled aggression uh, doing what they should do in, in dominating form. Uh, it was good to get many guys on the field in the second half, even though there was a very noticeable drop-off. Uh, those guys need the reps, and it showed. But still, some plays were being made in the backfield, and just but some chunk plays were given up uh, in, in the second half. So, and, you know, in, in summary, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson really showed up uh, to start, with the starting defensive line. Uh, but all in all, a really good night on defense. Yeah, and I would thought it was big for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Uh, you know, last year he was much maligned for his missed tackles, and he, he had a lot of them at some points last year. At one point he was leading the SEC. Uh, we know the guy can run and play in the passing game in the secondary, uh, but to step up against a triple option team, to come away with two sacks, two and a half tackles for loss, and to, you know, meet some guys in the hole and get it done, I, I know that had to be a confidence builder for him. Uh, that had to be something that he can build upon. And I think he's going to have a really big year. That that star position, uh, Grantham is going to demand that those guys come up and make those kind of plays in the box. And, and it was nice also to see Bernie, uh, Amari Bernie, the freshman, make a good thump later in the game from that position. It's going to be key to that defense, and, and they both play well. Billy, another player who was uh, around the ball a whole lot, and it was a surprise last week when he was announced as a star, but Donovan Steiner was around the ball a good bit. He was. He was. And this is a, a good first test for him as well. Uh, he's a guy that surprised in winning the starting position uh, at that safety. And I was really glad to see him get a start in this game against an option offense to ease him in where mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about an offense taking the top off of you so much. You kind of focus on tackling. and That's an area he's shined. And now he gets to see what he can do against a team that's going to pass a little more uh, next week. Yeah, and I think oh, Kentucky's going to come in and try and run the ball too, and I think that fits Steiner as well because, as I said, he he just right. seems to have a knack and a uh, and not afraid to put his uh put his hat on the hat on the ball. Yeah, he does. He does. He's going to be good there. And, and again, he kind of he gets to ease in not only from 
uh, a difficulty standpoint, but also just a schematic standpoint. We don't have a team that's going to come in and, and zing the ball around like Missouri or, you know, I know Georgia wants to run it first, but they can hurt you in the passing game, and we're not going to have to worry about that quite yet. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I think he's got a chance to continue to make a name for himself. All right, uh, here we go. Uh, special teams, of course. You know, Zachary Carter blocking the field goal right before halftime was a clear sign. The special teams matter again at Florida and under Dan Mullen. It's not just talk. Uh, a big play was given up, and then the field goal was blocked right after that going into halftime. Uh, Gators kept the momentum going there. Uh, another block later in the game on the, after a Charleston Southern touchdown on an extra point that led to a two-point conversion by the Gators. So, you know, after big plays for Charleston Southern, the special teams made their own big plays. And uh, Damian Pierce, as I mentioned, earned carries this game because of the hard-hitting tackle he had on, on kickoff coverage. Special teams matter. Perfect on field goals as well with McPherson and Powell. They were. Special teams were tremendous. I, I am going to nitpick because we need to be balanced here to, to a certain extent. The one place uh, I, I didn't like, they're, after one week only, of course, they're 68th in kickoff return defense. Uh, but a lot of that was we had one bad return. They gave up a 36-yarder early. All the other ones were touchbacks or you know ended up on the 17-18 yard line or 17-18 yard returns. Not bad at all, uh, but sometimes in those bigger games, that one play can be the difference maker. And so that's something I'm hoping will prove to be an anomaly as they move forward. But I was ecstatic about the blocks. Uh, the blocks were a signature of the, the Meyer era and really even moving into the Muschamp era. It was, just, it was something that was a game changer for Florida in big games and big moments. And it disappeared uh, under McIlwain. Uh, and I, I tweeted earlier, I think in the last five years, Florida only blocked four kicks. Well, they blocked two last night. That does include punts. They also had a, a punt in the last five years, but it's just tremendous. Uh, it's just another another thing that adds to just a well-rounded showing for this team that they're going to emphasize the things that matter in, in getting you to the top. All right, we got some other things coming up here in this episode. Some three ups and three downs. You know, some good things that happen, some bad things that happen. Uh, I got a, I got a couple. Bill's got some. Got a few as well. Uh, but before that, uh, you know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. And it's usually what team to bet on this week. Truth is, I don't really know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, you're betting who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I tell people to bet with my bookie. And trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in the business for years, have great reviews, and an easy-to-use mobile site. So go lay down some cash and win big today. Hey, look, guys, I'd only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. So that's why I urge you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. My bookie has in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game when the NFL season kicks off uh, next week. So join my bookie now, and they will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code Gators to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today at mybookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code GATERS when creating your account to claim the bonus. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. And Bill also, late this uh, uh, Friday, uh, launched a uh, Gators, breaking down, Gators Breakdown merchandise site with Squad Locker. So if you go to squadlocker.com, guys, you can search Gators Breakdown, find the store there, Nike apparel with the Gators Breakdown logo on it, all that good stuff. And, Bill, I will have you a hat this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes! It's the, it, the weekend is complete for me. <laughs> it, won't be a, it won't be a Nike one. I don't even have one of those yet. So. Sounds good, man. It's all right. <laughs>
I'll be honored to have it. There we go. There we go. All right, guys. So uh, as I mentioned, kind of just some good things, bad things uh, here. Three up. Uh, that's how kind of how I do mine right now. Uh, Frank uh, Franks, of course, Felipe Franks, uh, one of the, the one of the best players on the field. Uh, when it all was said and done, when the game uh, got over with, we talked plenty about him. Talked more about what uh, you know some some things that he did uh, as well because he was my biggest surprise. So I'll hit that uh, as well. Chauncey Gardner Johnson is another uh, one that I think one of the best players on the field last night. As I mentioned, he's just going to be everywhere around the ball in this new star position with Todd Grantham. Uh, look, one of the most athletic guys Florida has on the team. They're going to get him uh, in multiple places, line him up everywhere. Like then that blitz that he got the sack on for the first play of the game last night. You couldn't really tell until right before the uh, snap. He timed it perfect. He was in the uh, quarterback's face for the first sack of the game on the very first play on defense. And Damian Pierce for me as well. The true freshman coming in, showing up. Uh, we mentioned the tackle on special teams, how he came in and led the team in, in, in carries and, and yards per carry as well. Uh, you know, look, he was, if you guys follow the Gators breakdown for a while, he was my favorite recruit coming in this past class. Uh, and, and in game one, yes, we know, but we'll mention it time and time again, it was an overmatched opponent, but he came in as a true freshman. Uh, didn't get skittish, wasn't afraid to go out there and do what we know him to do, and that's be a powerful runner at the running back position. So, Bill, what, what's some good things, you, you, you more some more good things you can point out? Hey, let, let's do this. I'm going to read you some a series of numbers, and you tell me what you think they are. <laughs> Ooh, okay. All right. We're going to start with 111, 104, 118, 113, 105, 85, 106, 114, 115, 112, 96, 81, 89, and 123. Any idea? Oh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> that is the University of Florida's penalty per, penalties per game rate uh, back to 2004, and they don't change or get any better beyond that. I could have kept going. I'm just trying to be brief. Um, Florida had three penalties for 20 yards. They're currently tied for fourth in the nation for fewest penalties per game. That is outstanding. Yeah. Uh, probably not going to continue to that extent, uh, but – dramatic difference and that was just a, a breath of fresh air last night um hey let's see florida's currently 13th in team passing efficiency uh they've averaged 88 over the past five years so we've already talked about the past game that's just outstanding and uh hey they were seven of seven in the red zone they scored five touchdowns two field goals for those passing that is not very gator like uh in recent years going back to the uh to all the way to the tebow era so i'm happy about that yeah, and Bill, if you go back to that stat last year, they started off good, but the number of opportunities weren't there, and it was a lot of field goals. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing. If they had scored one touchdown or one field goal last <laughs> night, so we we're 100%, it wouldn't matter. But, hey, <laughs> scored five touchdowns in a red zone last yeah. night. Field goals. That's pretty daggum good. Uh, any more good stuff there, Bill? Uh, I, yeah, we could spend all day going over this. <laughs> I, I thought they were very disruptive with Grantham's defense. Yes, yeah. one play uh, in the first half. I don't count the stuff in garbage time. Yeah. And, and I had tweeted that was one of the things I wanted to see because Grantham, he he's one of the best at guessing play-to-play -play on the Success Plus rating. Uh, it was top five last year and frustrating offenses from play-to-play. -play. But when they got in trouble, it was that one big play or two big plays or three big plays that goes to the house. And we saw that one time where they had one big chunk play in the first half. I wanted to see one or none because they're going to happen sometimes. I was happy with that. And even on that, but it still falls on the coach's shoulders and some of the players' shoulders at a point, too. They were confused going into that play, and it probably would have been a good time for a timeout. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it's never a good thing, but there is an acceptable level of collateral damage when yeah. you're talking about a super aggressive defense and guys flying around. If he's bringing the house, you're going to give up some big plays like that. You've just got to limit them.
All right. All right, Bill. Uh, yeah, we don't want to harp on the negative too much. It was a great night overall, but not everything was perfect. Uh, as I mentioned, Scarlett, the offensive line, just you know, couldn't get going early. You would have liked to see them guys go out there and, and establish the, the run blocking schemes and opening up some lanes and those guys pulling and opening up some lanes. Uh, you know, it wasn't there on a consistent basis uh, enough. So Scarlett and the offensive line, uh, you know, two of them there. And Bill, I can't well think we can go without the suspensions uh, as well. CC, yeah, that's one of mine. There we go. Yeah, CC Jefferson, Kadarius Tony, Kyrie Campbell, Luke Ankrum, Brian Edwards, Darius Lemons, and James Washington. You know, we, we'd have liked to seen. And I don't think CC Jefferson was going to play a whole lot anyway because of the shoulder being dinged up and and stuff there. Kadarius Tony, maybe we we might have seen some of the packages for him. It would have been nice, you know, as as much as Florida was spreading the ball around last night, you would have. He, he would have had you know a chance to to do something with the ball in his hands uh, last night too. Kyrie Campbell you know hasn't got a lot of playing time uh, a good bit. You would like to see him in this Todd Grantham defense. Luke Ankrum kind of same goes for him as well. Brian Edwards probably would have been there getting some playing time back in the in the secondary there. Darius Lemons you know look they they spread out the carries pretty thinly anyway. Not really anybody took. Uh, I don't think anybody had double digit carries all, all night. So not really sure how many carries uh, he would have got. Look, that was a worry coming into the season is how they were going to uh, split these carries up in, in a cupcake game. You're going to split them up a whole lot more. So, uh, you know, Lemons would have had his chances as well. Yeah. You know, guys like Lemons, uh, guys like even Tony, as talented as he is with, with depth improving, with just overall quality improving on the roster at those positions, this is not the time to be getting in trouble. Uh, it's just not. And, and it's, it's really ugly. I was going to put it in ugly under good, bad, and ugly that those guys were out and have the seven more guys suspended. I think it was various reasons there. I don't think it was just one incident. CeCe Jefferson's hurting himself. This is going to cost him some money uh, when it comes to draft time. He's a guy that led the team in tackles for a loss with 13 and a half last year. The Gators need him in there, and he needs to keep his act together so he can make money next year in the NFL. Um, and then you've got guys like Kyrie Campbell that I think can help the team, Brian Edwards. Um, so we need to see these guys get reinstated. I had heard on a couple of them that it could be a two-game suspension. I don't know. I really don't have complete information on that. It's just something – when I heard about two of these players uh, about three four weeks ago, I heard they were out one to two games, so we'll see. Um, but you just hope it doesn't get you in a situation where, you know, Florida gets in a dicey position on the field and doesn't have these guys to rely on. All right there. Oh, uh, hey, one other thing, Dave. Yeah, I do have one other thing, Dave. No, that's, that, I was I was going to ask you that, so go ahead. Yeah, just one other thing. UF was only uh, two of nine on third down. Uh, mm -hmm. Their 22% conversion ratio was 110th best nationally uh, right now. So that's something that needs to get better. They were good on defense. I think they're in the top 20. Uh, but 110th nationally, 22% conversion on third down against Charleston Southern is not good. Uh, obviously, it's kind of a nitpick because of the end result. But need to look a little deeper at that to really understand what's happening there. Uh, that could be a number of things that are contributing. So we'll see. That's something to watch as we go forward. Yep. All right. Uh, Bill, something else I like to do with these kind of reviews uh, of the game the day before is drive of the game. And I think this one, you know, I was thinking, I was like, huh, you know, which one would I pick? And then it became pretty obvious. And look, it's the eight play 75 yard drive to open the season up. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. First drive, first drive of the game you go and score a touchdown. Yes, it was aided by a penalty, uh, and the Gators had to convert a fourth and one to keep the drive alive. But, you know, what a way to open up the Dan Mullen era, open up the season with a touchdown. You know, the drive started with an RPO from Franks to, to Josh Hammond, uh, a Franks run after nothing was open on the next play. And then, of course, you know, capped off with newcomer Trayvon Grimes' first catch coming on a 38-yard screen pass with some great blocking. Hey, man, like it or not, 
you know, adversity is one of those things when something's important enough, you find a way. And when it's not, you find excuses. And if they had come off the field uh, struggling in this game or didn't score in that drive, you, you, you turn around and say, well, it's, you know, we're just getting started or he needs more time. But they sprung the play and got a touchdown and started off his era and the season with a just a whole new positive feeling. And it was just great to see Grimes house that ball. It just really set the tone for the night and the season. So hopefully they can continue that. It, it has to be the drive of the game for me. I think so. You know, maybe drive of the year, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's well, let's hope there's bigger things to come. No, no, no. That, that's true. I'm just saying, you know, going back and looking at it, maybe what it means, you know. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I just but I yeah. just want to see some rival fans crying on Twitter. That's <laughs> that's what yeah, that's what we're yeah. Uh so surprise, Bill. Biggest surprise, I think, is Frank's. You know, he threw early five throws on the first drive, two were dropped, and one deflection. Hey, look, there were there were many opportunities in the goal in goal to go situations, goal line situations where you just kind of expected Florida to pound it in. But Mullen was letting Franks fling it. You know, I think it was a lot of what the defense was giving him, but also Mullen trusting Franks and, and trying to give Franks some confidence. Uh, you know, so so the surprise is just how much they threw Franks or let how, how much they let him throw in certain situations. And, 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 of course, it worked out. And another one that I just thought of as we were going through this episode, Bill, is, look, the emergence already of Jefferson and Grimes. How many times have we brought in these transfers uh, and they, they just don't pan out. And Florida has brought in two of them. We, you know, the, the, the talk of these guys have been much more than, than the past of, you know, of guys we think we can rely on. And already in game one, yes, is overmatched opponent. Yes, you know, they, they could outmatch uh, the defensive backs that Charleston Southern was throwing out there. But at least is you know, not the other, the, the story of, years past where we get these transfers coming in and we don't ever really ever hear from them. We've already heard from these guys. Yeah. For me though, the, I, as much as I agree with you about the wide receivers and, and to even more so with Frank's to me, the biggest surprise was just how much of a thumbprint Mullen has put mm. on every aspect of this team on the field already. Uh, I just didn't expect that. I didn't, I don't think hardly anybody expected to this extent. We just got disclaimer again. we got to see how things go with Kentucky and Tennessee and, as we get into the meat of the schedule there, but it, that was just a breath of fresh air. And it shows if nothing else, he's got a plan and he's got principles and he's instilling those in these players. Yep. 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 Bill, I got some tweets to uh, get into. I know you're on a tight schedule. Are you good or you want to? Uh, I probably got five minutes, man. Okay. So I'll read some of them and you can uh, give your uh, feedback from some of them. So yeah, I asked the question of what you, uh, of the Gators breakdown listeners out there, you know, what was your reaction to the 53 to six win of, of the Gators over Charleston Southern? Uh, Tim Catlett sent every single offensive player looked more fluid, confident, aware, and relaxed every day. I am shocked as I learned just how incompetent the last staff was. I hope uh, I have hope as a Gator fan again. Yeah, and as much as I, I really want to heap praise on the team and on Mullen for what we saw last night, it just it really is an indictment on what we saw out of McElwain and, and somewhat for Muschamp. But you know, you just keep hearing more and more about how dysfunctional this this program was and strength and conditioning, and I think just the offensive system and just looking back at how they brought in Zaire to run a system that didn't fit him, and it's just. All that's gone. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> it, it's just so nice to see functional college football happening. And, and win, lose, or draw, I'm convinced that Mullen may take Florida to championships or one or none, but I think he's going to make the program better. And I think he may have already done that. 
Yeah, I mean, if anything, you know, I think Gator fans come out of that stadium last night and and, and, off, and after flipping off their TV, in a way, kind of a sigh of relief. You know, it's it, it's getting better, and I think that's what the it's kind of a weight lifted off the shoulders. Even though, even though, even though, given the opponent, there was still a lot of positive to be taken away from it, and we'll hear uh, plenty of that uh, as some of these comments or most of these comments deal do deal uh, with that. Uh, that aspect and that look. Uh, Josh Gatorgan says uh, no play action on third and long. So yes, that is a welcome uh, appearance. Um, uh, Gator Girl eighty eight 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 progress for sure, especially in the areas of discipline, quarterback play, defense, and special teams. Still need to see offensive line improvement and balanced pass slash run game. Overall, I'm very encouraged. Much more fun to watch. So, Bill, I think that some of the key words that I, I also put out there. Uh, last night being in the stadium, fun and encouraging. Yeah, and more to prove. Uh, yep. I, I think that sums it up. Fun, encouraged, and more to prove, uh, I, particularly with the offensive line. I want to see what this front seven can do, setting the edge against quality running games. That I, as much as I like the safety play, those guys didn't have to play against a passive quarterback last night. They've got a lot to prove this year. Uh, they, they're going to have to step up. We're going to have to see some good play. Um, it's going to be worth watching to see how this goes. And I, I'm not ready to to – anoint Florida as the Cinderella team this year by any means. I feel good at taking the over and calling it for eight wins this year. Uh, we'll see how that goes moving forward. All right. Brett H. Sanborn, vast improvement. It's fun again. Frank's through almost as many touchdowns as he did in all of 2017. Um, Luca Lobotomy. That's a pretty good name there. Uh, Frank's looks poised, capable, and well-coached. O-line needs to get a better push. Defense was intense and focused only once in the first half out of position. Looks like special teams has been a point of emphasis. Dot connector at Hey Brent Pope. Love the offensive creativity and play calling. Frustrated by Scott's ability to find holes and pick up yards. Super impressed by Damian Pierce. Um, Josh Emery, MMA Josh. Impressed with the amount of turnaround first off. O-line did not impress me. They should have dominated a lot more than they did. Struggled getting the running lanes open, impressed with some pocket presence and movements from Franks. Uh, defense could be nasty. So that was, that was another thing uh, with, with Franks. He did move up in the pocket. He did evade some uh, pressure uh, there that was uh, Charleston Southern when they decided to send some blitzes. So, you know, Franks, the offensive line, did a good job of blocking. Hey, look, we even saw some running black running back pass blocking uh, that we haven't seen in years past either. And then also Franks being able to evade pressure at times. Yeah, we absolutely did, and uh, I can't wait to see what these guys do next week. I think we're going to be we're going to be sitting there in section eleven. So if you're close to that, uh, <laughs> please make sure to say hey. But it's it's going to be so fun to see what they do with test number two. All right, Bill, uh, I'll let you go here. I got a few more tweets to read, uh, but uh, any any final thoughts? Uh, you know, as we uh, wrap, put a bow on uh, as you put a bow on this one, and uh, heading to Kentucky next week. You know what? Thanks to the team and Coach Mullen for giving us, as fans, a, a, a good night of Gator football again. It's been too too long, and I'm encouraged for the future. Um, it's going to be fun to watch how this season unfolds and see the progress they make and what the limitations are of that in year one. And uh, and I just can't wait to break it down if, if we get a chance to, to do more shows like this. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's Bill Sykes. You can find Bill on Twitter, at Real B Sykes. Hey, Bill, I know you sprung this on me pretty quick that you can be on the show. <laughs> And I wasn't going to let that uh, opportunity pass up. So uh, thanks for joining me here on this episode, man. No problem. Thanks to uh, for having me, and thanks to all the fans uh, for uh, supporting us as we as we uh, root on for the Gators, and and uh, let's see what they can do.
Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Bill. I'll holler at you later and go have a, a fun Labor Day weekend. All right, buddy. See you soon. Right. See you, man. All right. Uh, left off with Ryan Zardula and uh, the tweet he sent in. Uh, and again, uh, thanks for Bill there. So you guys uh, hopefully can meet uh, a lot of you guys can meet him in Gainesville next week when uh, he makes his trip down from Florida, Kentucky. Uh, we'll be sitting there uh, together, like he said. So Ryan Zardula, uh, the excitement is back under Mullen. Starters played really well, but reserves got to get better. Oh, and there is this third aspect of the game called special teams that we play now, too. Almost forgot what that is like. So a lot of fans being able to point out uh, the improvement in many of the areas for the Gators, uh, as as we saw the Swamp, uh, Pack Rick at Pack Rick. Uh, Gators are getting coached in all phases of the game. Years two to three, Gators will be legit contenders. Growing pains coming and should be expected. But Mullen is the man. Excitement and winning coming back to Gainesville. Uh, and good to, and good to hear from a wise old guru. Has been a while there. A great start. Lots of lots of improvement, but work to be done. Can't wait to see how the kids handle prosperity and if they show week to week improvement against Kentucky. And that that is a uh, very good point there. Hey, look, the, their bellies are going to get rubbed. They are going to um, they're they're going to hear a lot of positive talk that they haven't heard in quite some time, even after uh, a game like Charleston Southern. How does the team react? How does Felipe Franks react uh, with some good talk? Like he hasn't had this good of talk for him. You know, look, going back to probably the Tennessee game last year when he hit the bomb uh, to beat Tennessee against, uh, you know, the bomb to Tyree Cleveland against Tennessee. While that was an ugly game, he had the big play at the end. And there was a lot of positive talk about Felipe Franks and maybe that being the spark uh, under Jim McElwain and, and, and the spark that needed uh, to find a quarterback. And we all know how, how that turned out. And it hasn't really been a whole lot of positivity for Felipe Franks since then. So I think after this game, there will be a lot of positivity. There will be a lot of good talk. You know, I, you know Florida will more than likely be ranked in the polls now uh, after some teams lost, uh, uh, after some highly ranked teams or lowly ranked teams lost uh, this past Saturday. So the Gators will probably be ranked. They'll be talked about a little bit more with the, the first SEC game against Kentucky. They'll get a lot more national talk as that game comes around. And I think people will kind of jump on board with how Florida played against Charleston Southern, see that they saw improvement, and the Gators will start hearing some some, some positive feedback. How did they react to that? And it will remain to be seen. Uh, but with Dan Mullen, the, the coach, and everything that he's kind of every, – everything that we saw in game one, you, know, you kind of have to think it would lend itself that um, uh, the team will be focused and ready to go as Kentucky comes to town. Now, Carlos Garcia at Big Los here, simply put, this is a different team than last year. Oh, yeah, we were right about Mac and Nuss. Uh, we had a good game plan, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so uh, this team has a lot of position talent, and everyone was involved and say uh, involved and playing. Total team effort, and everyone had fun, fans and players alike, and that is absolutely true, especially in the stadium. Uh, the fireworks were going off. Fans were loud. Uh, fans were loud. Like I said, it wasn't a complete sellout, but the, the crowd was loud a good bit, especially that field goal at the end of the half uh, that was blocked there. Some of the conversions that Charleston Southern was trying to convert on, on this third down to stuff, the crowd was loud. Hey, look, and those, the, the players were excited as well. I took a video. I put it on uh, – uh, Twitter last night uh, as the, the players on the sideline for every kickoff they were you know and you've seen Dan Mullen do this at Mississippi State with his players as well I mean it was the swaying back and forth and waving of the towels for kickoff look the, the guys I think are having a lot of fun too it is a whole different mindset with his staff on the field and off the field now Saturday at the swamp swamp Saturday says took care of business 
some things to be excited about, but ultimately it was Colorado's or it was Charleston Southern. Good to get out of there uh, without too many injuries, if any, uh, heading into the real test next week. Last decade has made me gun shy about getting too excited, but the team looked good overall. Dylan Brooks, uh, honestly, I loved it. I especially love when Charleston Southern had that long run due to the fact I wanted to see how the Gators would respond after losing a bit of wind under their sails. They did so excellently, excellently, wow, there we go, uh, in my opinion. So, yeah, you know, like I said, the way they responded after that big run, uh, Dan Mullen talks about that. Look, it's not about um, the last play. It's about what you're going to do in the next play. They gave up that big run. Charleston Southern tries to kick a field goal, get some points on the board before going at halftime. Look, the game the game was everywhere by that point anyway. Uh, but they lined up for a field goal. And look, as I just said, the game was over. And, and the, the players could have thought that way too. But they did it. They went out there, blocked a the field goal, kept the shutout going in the first half. Uh, it was good to see, you know, no quit, as Melvin says, also relentless effort given uh, even after a big play was given up uh, there. So Mr. One Bit says that uh, we have uh, we have been to several games and I have never heard it as loud as last night, especially during uh, Charleston Southern's point after attempt and their fourth and whatever's. Uh, the energy definitely showed under Mullen. And speaking of PATs, we blocked. Uh, two, so they actually they blocked one field goal, one PAT uh, in one game. So more than Mac had his whole time coaching there. Uh, a few more here. Mike Henry at Tennessee Gator. Um, about time we saw some semblance of an offense. I love the energy around both sides of the ball. Remember, it was Charleston Southern, though. Hashtag excited, though. Uh, David Soderquist, uh, it was good hanging out with him, tailgating with him uh, at, at the uh, Buddy Martin Gator Nation Kingdom tailgate. Uh, so second time we're getting to hang out with uh, David there. So uh, glad uh, here and I can hang out. Uh, he sent this uh, in as well. Even though it was Charleston Southern, it looked like a completely different offense and team with much boosted confidence. Haven't saw two block kicks and a jump pass in a while. Franks looks surprisingly comfortable as well. And we'll see how this all unfolds uh, down the road. And that's another thing, confidence. That's not, I, I was just speaking as long ago about how Felipe Franks may respond to a lot of the positivity he'll be getting this week, but how, so how does he respond to a, a renewed confidence? Hopefully, hopefully this game set him up for some confidence and when Kentucky rolls into town, he's going to be confident uh, in his abilities, just confident in his coaches uh, as will, as I mentioned, said, will miles is big and he, he released his game review article. So you guys can read that. And we'll talk more about it on the next skaters breakdown on, on tomorrow. Uh, but you know, confidence and trust, I think are two big things. Felipe Franks has those two things. Uh, watch out for him to be taking that next step. Uh, and then step one, Charleston Southern did a good job there. Uh, Jay Rosario, I uh, don't want to get too carried away. That being said, just based on the eyeball test, we didn't look like that against lesser opposition in recent years. It afforded younger players real game reps, which no amount of practice can replicate. There we go. Again, that's another good point there. We, we kind of brought it up, but going depth, deep into the depth chart. Florida, look, go back to these games where Florida should have been blow maybe blowing out Vanderbilt or maybe a Florida Atlantic. Um, it was ugly at times. Uh, a UMass game that uh, kicked off the season uh, that wasn't a, a blowout in Jim McElwain's second season. You know, there were times you could get some backup players and reps, and that wasn't the case. Uh, now, you, th these are what these games are for. And overmatched opponent, you're expected to go out and beat them. You're expected to go deep into your depth chart and get some guys' experience. Now with this new four-year redshirt or a four-game redshirt rule for true freshmen, that's one reason all these 2018 signees, if they were healthy, wouldn't gotten played last night. 
not worried about burning red shirts. Some of these guys are still going to red shirt, but you now you know what? They have some game experience, keeps them around the program, keeps them interested. They can go out there and play now uh, and not have to worry about missing time, not playing, not getting bored, and still getting that year of red shirt out there. So all in all, very good rule for college football. Last two here, Chris Gold. Um, here we go. There were a lot of people doubting Felipe Franks. I'm just glad he didn't pay them any attention. Instead, he went out there, showed great improvement. He worked hard to become the starter, and it definitely showed last night. And, yep, we, we, like I said, we spoke to that plenty of times uh, good there. Uh, John Nettles at Gator Pest. Aside from enjoying the game and the obvious improvements, I couldn't help but feel relieved deep down at the thought that we'll finally have the right man to lead our program. And I think that's a good prevailing thought there uh, as we, you know, in, in, in the Twitter thoughts there. A lot of fans really got behind uh, Dan Mullen last night. Uh, you know, I, the fans were behind him anyway, but I think there's now being behind him and being confident in him all at the same time. And I think that's where uh, a lot of that comes from, uh, from the fan base. When I said they kind of felt relieved after the game was over with because it wasn't a, oh, here we go again uh, type of performance. It was, oh, here we go again looking back 10 years ago <laughs> and, and, and what Dan Mullen could bring to the table and the type of offense he could bring to the table. It was a reason to get excited. I'm glad Gator fans had a reason to be excited. I'm glad they were excited in the stadium last night. The players fed off of it. The energy was different. And it was just a, a fun night overall, fun day overall, uh, as fans were excited to tailgate. Fans were excited for the Gator Walk. The Gator Walk was crazy, by the way, uh, really, really crazy. Uh, so good for the uh, the players to experience that. You know, they had the one in the spring game where some players had said that was the best uh, Gator Walk they had ever experienced. It didn't match yesterday's. Was, yesterday's was really, really good, and fans were really excited there. As well as the Gators ended up defeating Charleston Southern 53-6. to and Dan Mullen is 1-0 as Gators head coach in his debut season. So I mentioned he's 1-0, and we'll go through it all in uh, the day after episodes with a look uh, around the SEC and what happened there. You've got to go back to Thursday night as Texas A&M defeated Northwestern State 59-7. Jimbo Fisher off to, to uh predicted start there when you're playing teams like that. South Carolina. Uh, all these games are from Saturday. South Carolina beat Coastal Carolina 49-15. to Ole Miss beat Texas Tech there. So as uh, in Houston, neutral site game, but Ole Miss 47-27. Uh, I kind of saw that one coming. I did pick that uh, there. No surprise that Ole Miss, uh, to me, beat, beat Texas Tech uh, there. So the, the Ole Miss Rebels off to a good start uh, this season. Georgia 45-0 over Austin P. No surprise there. Kentucky struggled. Uh, Florida's next opponent struggled a good bit with Central Michigan. It was, uh, I believe they were down, they were up by one at halftime, uh, 21 20. Uh, shut out Central Michigan in the second half. Uh, they ended up winning 35 to 20. Kentucky, a ton of turnovers uh, in that game. So they, they, they can't do this against the Gators and, and come to, a, to the swamp and expect to win. Kentucky will have to play better uh, if they want to come in here uh, next week and beat the Gators. Uh, as I said, look, that's a game where Dan Mullen knows Kentucky, faced them every year uh, as a uh, opponent for Mississippi State. That was a permanent crossover division. So that's the one SEC team Dan Mullen knows pretty well in Kentucky. And we'll preview that game later on this week here on Gators Breakdown. I'll have a special guest on the Kentucky side, uh, Kevin McGuffey, who uh, will we'll, we'll share out his thoughts about Kentucky as we head towards that game. Uh, the big game in the SEC, 
uh, and the nation as, as well. Auburn defeated Washington 21-16 there up in Atlanta. So Auburn had lost two straight games in Atlanta going back to last year in the SEC championship game and the uh, in the bowl game there where they got defeated by Central Florida. Uh, opened up in Atlanta this year and defeated Washington 21-16. to uh, Gator fans didn't mind seeing this one at all. Uh, Will Greer, West Virginia, defeat Tennessee 40-14. to That was a close game at halftime. I'll give uh, Tennessee uh, some credit. They, they slowed down the game in the second quarter. They had like a, nine, a near nine-minute drive uh, to bring that within uh, um, uh, six points at one time. But in the second half, West Virginia just stomped on the gas and defeated Tennessee 40-14 to to give Jeremy Pruitt uh, a loss in his debut there. Uh, Missouri beat UT Martin 51 to 14. Arkansas beat Eastern Illinois 55 to 20. Um, Mississippi State, then on his former team, 63 to 6 over Stephen F. Austin. Nate Fitzgerald did not play in that game. Vanderbilt, 35 to 7 over Middle Tennessee. And Alabama, no surprise here. No, none, not really. To a Tiger Viola. Uh, mostly, he got the start, mostly played there. 51 to 14 over Louisville and Orlando. And uh, I didn't expect that game to be close. And uh, Alabama, that machine is just going to keep on rolling and rolling and rolling. And we'll see where it goes uh, uh, later this season. But, guys, uh, thank you for joining me here on Gators Breakdown. As we take a look back at the Gators 53-6 to win over Charleston Southern, a lot of good uh, insight there from Bill. So I'm glad he could join. Uh, it's a fun time. Look, we'll get to do it again next week uh, when the Gators – Host the Kentucky Wildcats, and it'll be a lot of fun. As I just mentioned a few minutes ago, Will Miles will join me. Uh, we'll uh, take a look back at his article. He had a lot of uh, breaking down of some film and what he saw uh, as well. So we'll get into more of what we saw from Felipe Franks and the offense and what we can expect moving forward against Kentucky this weekend. So uh, be on the lookout tomorrow for another episode of Gators Breakdown. Uh, fun, exciting time as we get here and start breaking down um, real, actual football. So uh, LSU-Miami tonight could be a good game. The reason I recorded this one early during the day, I kind of want to watch LSU-Miami. Uh, and we'll get FSU and Virginia Tech tomorrow as well. So we'll record tomorrow's episode pretty early uh, so you guys can watch those games uh, at the, uh, uh, instead of, uh, you know, we uh, competing with those. <laughs> so uh, real life, actual football is, is much better to watch. But uh, if you want some Gator talk, keep it right here on Gators Breakdown. And we'll be – here we're about three weeks, uh, three episodes a week uh, during the season. So uh, if you're new to Gators Breakdown, that's kind of how we'll do it here throughout the season. So I'm David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Find the podcast Gators Breakdown at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.